the director over the Spanish work, and we've got Dr. Scott Winnale. He is the vice president of Living University. We're going to be discussing this topic with them. And of course, welcome to Tomorrow's World Now. We appreciate you joining us here. And remember, and we do thank you so much for sharing and liking on Facebook and YouTube. We appreciate it. That's your part that you can fulfill in the work of God and the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom of God. We appreciate it very much. Ecumenism, the coming together of the Christian churches in unification to become one. The Catholic Church bringing in the daughters, or as we might talk about it, the, the Catholic, uh, the uh, Protestant daughters. Um, I want to start out with a, uh, an article that was in Christianity Today. We'll get right into it here. This article, it was about the World Evangelical Alliance and it uh, kind of coming together and having meetings and so forth with the Catholic Church. So this World Evangelical Alliance, it represents about 600 million people. Um, you fellas read this article? Yeah? Yes. Okay, so uh, this, uh, it represents 600 million people. That is, that is a, a great number of people. And it says that this World Evangelical Alliance is under pressure from member bodies in Catholic-majority countries, accusing it of abandoning its historic opposition to Roman Catholicism and theological liberalism. So they're saying the, the, these bodies in these uh, Catholic countries, in these majority Catholic countries, it's saying that, uh, look at the leadership of the World Evangelical Alliance isn't including us in these talks. They're just moving forward in, uh, uh, in unification with the Catholic Church in a certain way. And it's not being done at a grassroots level. It's without involving different parts of the Alliance in the decision-making process. So this is a big deal. This is a big deal. And it's not only this uh, World Evangelical Alliance. It goes way beyond that. And I want to kind of put out to you fellas um, ministers of Jesus Christ, and uh, you have been studying this for years, you know about this. Uh, is there going to be a great unification of the churches, of the Christian churches? I think it's going to be interesting to watch. We see from Revelation that, Revelation 17, I believe it's verse 5, talks about um, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. This Babylonian mystery religion, historians for a long time have tied this in with Rome and the, the Roman Church. Uh, there are many writers who tie in the Catholic Church to these prophecies, but what's interesting is when we look at this ecumenical movement that you're talking about with the Protestant churches, for example, these churches have a history together, don't they? Um, when Martin Luther left and, sure. and began to lead the Protestant Reformation, he was a Catholic priest who did that. There were things about Catholicism he didn't like. He didn't like the indulgences that were being sold. He didn't like these rich priests. He didn't like uh, the idea of uh, having to act in a certain way to achieve the kingdom of God. So he sold the idea of, of, of grace. But he took with him from the Catholic Church most of Catholicism. Right. Yeah. And so when we look at modern Protestantism today, why do they have so many similarities between uh, them and the Catholic Church? It's because they came from the same place. These Protestant churches really are daughters of the Catholic Church. You know, 
Uh, well, one thing that comes to mind with that is, uh, you know, and we've talked about it before on the show, the, the Sabbath day. That comes to my mind because there is an article maybe in the uh, uh, Catholic Encyclopedia or something from a, an old newspaper, basically the Catholic Church saying in, this, uh, in their encyclopedia that proving from the Bible that the Sabbath day is truly the seventh day of the week. It's on Saturday proving from God's Word, and then saying, we have the authority, we're the ones that had the authority to make that change mm -hmm. to Sunday, and anyone who keeps Sunday, these Protestant churches that, like you said, Martin Luther, that was one of the things that came with them, uh, they uh, have only to pay allegiance to the Catholic Church. That's what it says. So that's, uh, that's powerful. You're right. Yeah. Yes, uh, the year 2017 was certainly a very meaningful uh, year. We have published in our magazine, Tomorrow's World, a whole series about the 500 years of the Reformation, the Protestant, Re Protestant Reformation. Mm -hmm. And maybe may many of our, our friends now, they, they receive that magazine. Frankly, it's a very important series to read and to keep in mind because there's a tremendous meaning behind it. There is a common origin, and we see coming, and we perceive, and we just read there, there is a tendency to come together again. There is a ecumenical movement that has been for many decades, but it was accelerated by the Vatican to ecumenical council by John the 23rd, was the one who really gave some dynamism at this movement of coming all together. Now it has been quite a few decades since, but we have seen a continual effort in having this common understanding and even acknowledging themselves as one single body under one authority. We don't see that yet happening, but certainly it's pretty obvious that this is That was is back in the, in the 60s when, when he kind of originally started that movement. It, that it right? started before, but okay. the, the Vatican Council right. number, number two, two yeah. that was summoned by John the 23rd, right. it was from that date on that, you know, the 20th century until now that it took more dynamism right. as a movement. Mm. Yes. Yeah, the, the, the popes since John the 23rd have really been pushing in this yes. direction mm. to to bring the daughters back. Pope Francis recently made a comment, and I'm going to read real briefly from the Christian Post, uh, December 18, 2017. He said, in various parts of the world, the witness to Christ, even to the shedding of blood, has become a shared experience mm. of Catholics, Orthodox, Anglicans, Protestants, Evangelicals, and Pentecostals, which is deeper and stronger than the differences which still separate our churches and ecclesiastical communities. Mm. So he's, he's really playing to, here's what we have in common. Let's not focus on what right, we don't have in common. Some of the doctrines that we, we don't Let's like. come to the table. Let's pray together. Right. Yes. Let's try and see what we can do for humanity mm -hmm. together. And so he's playing these cards in a very wise and shrewd way, mm -hmm. yes, I yes, think. Very much. Mm, yeah, dangerous. And so, you know, these uh, Protestants coming back and that, uh, some of those uh, things. There's a, an article that talks about um, a surprising number of the most uh, prominent introverts or the 
the conservatives in the Catholic Church are coming from American Protestantism. And it goes on to explain the reason is because some of uh, American Protestantism is moving more toward the world, away from conservatism, and looking to the Catholic Church for that. Some of the, you know, what the Catholic Church has held for a long time about abortion and homosexuality and divorce and remarriage and that type of thing. Uh, so that's uh, uh, a dangerous thing, you know, that they're coming out like that. Yeah, one of the interesting <clears throat> divides is these worldly churches or world churches not seeing the Pope as the infallible Pope. Right. And so we can probably get to that a little bit later on, but are there events that are going to take place later on that will elevate the Pope in the eyes of the Eastern Orthodox Church, where there is dialogue as right, well, right. in the eyes of world Protestantism, sure. in the eyes of... Atheists even, you know. Exactly, because in, in part of this ecumenical movement, the Pope has actually gone to Haiti, for example, and talked to people who believe in voodoo, mm. and talked about how they've got these commonalities and they should work together. He's talked to Hindu bodies, mm -hmm who believe in, in pagan, all kinds of pagan philosophies, and talked about their commonalities and how they need to work together with the Catholic Church and to other groups. He's talked about, our previous popes have talked about how the Jews themselves are going to be in heaven mm -hmm. one day, people who don't even believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. So he's really reaching, he, the Pope in general, the past several popes have really reached far and wide to try and bring as many people closer to the Catholic Church as possible. And this isn't new. That's what they, yeah. that's how they've grown for years. The question that comes up uh, to mind is, what is it that is going to bring all these people together under one leadership, which is frankly the dream of the Catholic Church, mm -hmm. is to recover the position they have before Reformation, and even include many other groups, like you say. Uh, even the Pope speaking about uh, to people that practice voodoo in Haiti. And uh, frankly, it is like uh, they agree on many things. They are working on those aspects. But what is it that is going to bring them together? It's like uh, you put hydrogen and oxygen together on the, according to you know, the formula for water. Mm -hmm. They only come together, there's a spark, an electrical spark that goes through it. Mm. The question that comes up to mind is what is going to be that spark that is going to convince these people that they should be under one leadership? Mm -hmm. And I think we have it right here. I make reference now to the Bible in chapter 13, verse 13 of the book of Revelation. Mm -hmm. That something is going to happen that is going to be the definite aspect of the definite uh, that will bring these people that will recognize because it says here in chapter 13 verse 13 is very easy to remember and I advise our uh, our friends here listening to us to keep this thing in mind speaking of this organization I won't go through the whole process we have a booklet called the beast of revelation that is available free of charge that you can download from the internet and read all the background but I come to the Critical point here, like I mentioned, Revelation 13, verse 13, is speaking of this leader, religious leader, he says he performs great signs so that even he makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of mm -hmm. men. It's going to be a spectacular thing that probably has never happened before in history that we know that someone 
because today with all the the news you know networks it will be very easy to very easy to convey to the whole world this kind of event. Right, what's happening. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth. That means this is going to be seen by the whole population mm -hmm. of the world. Mm -hmm. And this might be what is going to bring all these groups together. He says, by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. We know, and you can, you can read that booklet that I'm mentioning here, how the Roman, uh, the Roman Empire, which has been, uh, is the only empire in history that has been resurrected, restored, so far six times. Hmm. And we know that there will be a seventh restoration, and this is going to have a big influence, or probably will be the definite fact that we bring together not only politically the nations probably of Europe now, of course, but also unify ten nations, the churches, but churches the, the which will give churches. a tremendous power to this organization. Right. Yeah. Dr. Scott, looks like you're well, going to Yeah, I was just going to say, Second Thessalonians 2 sort That's of reiterates yeah. this, mm -hmm. talking about this <clears throat> man of sin, this son of perdition, Second Thessalonians 2. Um, this individual who one day is going to get up in front of the world, as you're talking about. It yes. says, he will exalt himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing that he himself is God. And it goes on, down and, and continues um, and talks about the, the, this lawless one, this one who is without God's law or apart from God's law. This yes. is part of the doctrine of the Antichrist. He, he doesn't need God's law. He's able to make laws himself right. yes. because right. he is the he most holy father. Right. overrules the very word of God. Right. But he is, he's going to do according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception. So again, just reiterating that Revelation 13 passage, Mr. Hernandez, you read, this individual is going to have a lot of power at his fingertips one day. And right. it's, it's that deceptive power that is going to be some of the magnetism that draws in not exactly. only churches, but probably others beyond that. If you yes. don't know better, how could you resist that? You know, yes. if you don't know better, if you the don't know is what's how coming. Know better. I think right. we're, going to we're going to get to that. That's right. But <laughs> this, uh, this kind of segues into our next yes. uh, topic right now, and that is, you know, what we're talking about, what you're talking about, we don't see Pope Francis doing these things. Um, but I want to ask the question, is Pope Francis the final pope? Or is there going to be another? Is there going to be another after this? Thoughts on that, gentlemen? Frankly, I think nobody knows. Of course, God will know, but we don't know yet. But I think it's interesting what we just mentioned. If those miracles don't happen, he's not the last one. <laughs> we will know the last one will perform, right. will bring fire down from heaven, probably there in St. Peter's Square, in front of all the networks, the news in the world, and uh, that's going to be such a tremendous thing that it, the world is going through a frenzy. It will be hysteric mm -hmm. in, in seeing signs of that uh, magnitude. 
is going to be absolutely amazing. And uh, we will know who is the last one when he comes and performs something like that. Right, right. Because we will see the what is the sentence of the word of God for those that use those signs to deceive people. And you know, right now... So he will be the last one. Right. Yeah. We'll that, that one will be the last yes. one. That's right. Yes, yes. And you know, looking at Pope Francis, he has a lot of enemies within the Catholic Church. Yes. He's made a lot of what can be called um, liberal decisions relative yes. to their kind of overall, you know, conservative ways. It's all kind of relative, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, article in The Guardian, very recent article, uh, I want to quote from it, says, Last year, one cardinal, backed by a few retired colleagues, raised the possibility of a formal declaration of heresy against Pope Francis. The willful rejection of an uh, established doctrine of the church, a sin punished punishable by excommunication. And it says, last month, 62 disaffected Catholics, including one retired bishop and a former head of the Vatican Bank, published an open letter that accused Francis of seven specific counts of heretical teaching. And that was, I think, most specifically in regard to the divorce and remarriage. Um, Contraception. Uh, that, that's right, yeah. Homosexuality. Yeah. yeah. Statement like that. Uh, so there's a, he's got a lot of enemies. So yes. this, <clears throat> this pope, the end time pope, is going to speak great pompous words. Mm -hmm. yeah. He's going to think so highly of himself that he's going to put himself up as God in the temple of God literally to be worshipped. Does this pope have that kind of courage and this, that kind of, uh, what's the word Boldness I'm looking for? Boldness? Maybe, maybe not. He certainly has enough to go against the establishment that he's in right now. Sure. Um, the, but he's I, been touted as, as one of the most humble popes, you know, uh, when, yes, he, when he came yes. in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. he, he has as a model of Francis of Assisi. That's why he took that name, Francis I, because he's, a, he's the most popular saint in the Catholic Church, mm. Mm. most beloved saint, you can say, because of his humility and, and trying to, to restore the Catholic Church in the Middle Ages, when it was one of the worst times mm. of the Catholic Church, and he came up. So he, he's very popular, and he took that name, and he, he used humility, and he practices acts of, of you can say, you know, I, we cannot judge his heart, but he might be sincere, and he really impresses people. Now he's in Chile, for example, he's visiting a, a women's prison. Right. And he's talking to them, and he goes and kisses the feet of people that are drug addicts mm -hmm. in different places. And he apologizes so for the, the problems with the priests and children. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, we cannot say that the fact that he has enemies within the leadership, it could be that that would... Uh, but the power he's going to receive to make those miracles will not come from the leadership. It will come from somewhere else. That's mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. And the Bible says where that power will come. Mm -hmm. And we know he's popular. Like you mentioned earlier, uh, people are happy because he's been more liberal about people that, that got a divorce and remarried. <coughs> and now they, he allows them to go back to church and take the communion. Yeah, take the communion. You know, and about homosexuals, he said, who am I to judge? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. he's gaining a lot of uh, oh, fans. Yes, yeah. from, uh, from all walks of life. And uh, we will see what happens, you know. Uh, 
but we cannot use as uh, the determining factor uh, the fact that he has enemies within the high leadership of the Catholic Church sure. mm. because we know that power to perform miracles will not come from them. It will come from another source that we might mention right. a little bit later on. Maybe many of our audience know what we're talking about. Right. You know, Scott? the ancient Irish priest, um, Malachi, mm. wrote about prophecies of future popes, 112 yes. future pro popes. And by some people's reckoning, this is the 112th mm -hmm. pope. Yes, He's, yes. He is the last pope. Yes. Now, the Catholic Church itself has sort of disavowed uh, the connection even to Malachi. Yes. But it's interesting because some people will use those prophecies to try and set him up as this being yeah. the last pope. The thing is, probably we won't mention those the, the details now, but many of those, of those predictions have been fulfilled mm. in, in, in quite a few of the, of the popes. In Paul VI... Uh, the, the armor, I mean, the, the, the emblem of his family was clearly the fleur de lis, you know, and uh, I don't remember all the details now, but there were the signs given for, for that pope when he became pope. And for, for example, the second was the, had to do with the sun coming from the east, and, and he went around the world more than anyone, and he came from the east because he came from Poland, and then you can fit mm. a lot of stuff mm. there. Mm. The thing is that I understand the, the Catholic Encyclopedia, they, they don't acknowledge, they don't give uh, real credit to, to these prophecies. But I know, because of the environment where I grew up, that when a pope died, the leaders who knew about these prophecies of so-called Saint Malachi, they would go to look what were the predictions for the next one. Mm. Although officially it's not recognized, unofficially they were very curious about it, and many times it fit. You know, and he, though even Satan the devil knows the whole future plan of God. He knows it. He's, he knows it intimately, God's plan. God prophesies what's going to happen in his word. You know, that's what we can certainly rely on. Of course, you know, that's not, yes. uh, you know, uh, a lot of things with the Malachi, you know, you can fit, you can kind of force things in. That's what people have done oftentimes as well. I wanted to mention just real yeah. quickly, part of your question, is this the last pope, also is determined by where are we in Bible prophecy, how close yeah. to the end are we? Because this pope is 81 years old, mm -hmm. one of the oldest popes elected to be pope. He was 76 when he came in. So uh, that's something to also keep in the back of our minds too, is how much time is going to go on, and, sure. and where will this pope be as a human being? And him saying, look at my, my papacy may not last that long. His you know, a couple years, five years, whatever. Uh, he maybe said it when he first came on, but I think he said it even more recently. He mentioned something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll have to see. Yeah. But you're so, right. We'll have signs, and we'll know by we'll whatever know. signs are. It will be are. clear. That will That's be the right. definite answer. So we cannot say. We Which, can't speculate, but we will know. And we will know that we know when someone in that position will bring fire down from heaven in front of the whole world. Right. So that would be an amazing uh, event. So we are now going to switch gears a little bit in terms of what we've been talking about, you know, is there going to be a, an ecumenical movement and, and a, talking about that, about this pope being the, possibly the last one or not being the last one. We want to talk about uh, the Antichrist, the topic of the Antichrist, and, and, and get into that. We have a question um, 
on Facebook regarding this as well that we'll, we'll get to. We have people from all over watching, and we appreciate you watching. Again, if you haven't already, please share, please share and like. That is your part in preaching this gospel of the kingdom of God to the world. It really is. It helps so much, and it, uh, it just gets this message out, and we do appreciate it. Um, so, the Antichrist. What are some signs, what scriptures can we go to that help us understand what the Antichrist is and, and who is that going to be? What are some scriptures that we could go to and just, uh, or some thoughts about that? Well, I think uh, Dr. Scott Winnell, he, he did mention Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and uh, is called in verse 9, the coming of the lawless one. Mm -hmm. That means the one who transgresses the law of God. No, it says, it's according to the working of Satan with all power, signs and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Now, the question that we can ask is, what is the love of the truth? What is the key to know who is the lawless one? And maybe you have some comments about it that we can... Uh, Go ahead. Yeah, I think we have a key that it, it will be most interesting to our audience about uh, what, for example, it says is because according to the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders. What does that mean, lying wonders? It can mean that it's just an appearance, but it also can mean that it's used to deceive, like we read, we read earlier in uh, Revelation 13, verse 13. The question is, if the whole earth is going to be deceived, how can one not be deceived? What is the key? It speaks of lawless one. I think the key, because people might, might wonder, if there is a miracle of that magnitude, how can one tell whether that is from God or is not from God? That's the big question that we should ask, because most people are going to be deceived. But the fact that most are deceived doesn't change the fact that it's a deception. So how can one love the truth and understand this is not from God? So one scripture, I think that's a, a great question. One scripture that comes to mind is in Isaiah 8 and verse 20. And it says, um, "Yes, <clears throat> to the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. That's excellent. The truth, the laws of God. And another one uh, in Deuteronomy 13 yes. that, that is just powerful. That's, I think that's where the key is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the one you just read tells the key very clearly. But for our friends here, we want to read this. It's interesting, this number 13. <laughs> it, it has to do with this. We saw in Revelation verse 13, verse 13. Hmm about the miracles that would be used to deceive the whole world. And here we have this warning from God in Deuteronomy. We know that Jesus Christ did not come to abolish the law. He came to give it a fulfillment. So we believe these words are 
in force today. Sure. And we believe them and that will help us to understand the, the, tr the things we're trying to discern here. Let's read Deuteronomy 13, verse 1. If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder. Uh, I have another version here. It says he announces a sign or a wonder. It is very possible that what's going to happen is this leader, this uh, false prophet and, uh, and that we are talking about here, he's going to announce in advance what's going to happen. That would give uh, all the news networks time to be, let's say, three days to be around uh, St. Peter's Square and be witness of what's going to happen. It's possible he's going possible. to announce, I'm going to bring fire down from heaven to prove to the whole world that I am being used by God to, to bring, uh, you know, to bring a kingdom because the church, the Catholic Church believes they are the kingdom. They don't believe in the kingdom of God being established by Jesus Christ at his return. They believe they are the, the kingdom now. So let's look at this because here is the key that I would like us to keep in mind. It says, if there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and he gives you, and I say to you, it's better, he says, he announces you. I have another version here. He will say it in advance. And that's going to be even more power to this event. Uh, he announces a sign or a wonder. And the sign or wonder comes to pass. Mm -hmm. So people say, it has to be from God. How can he announce this? Let's say, I'm supposing here, speculating, three days in advance, that this is going to happen. And sure enough, it does happen. He brings fire down from heaven, of which he spoke to you. And so if it happens, then he will say to you, let's go after other gods which you have not known and let us serve them. Then what's the answer here? You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. So God is testing us. He's going to test the, the nations. So what is the key here? A miracle happens, and let's go back to Revelation 13, 13, and you will see those two things are linked together in an amazing way to make it very obvious. And let's read again chapter 13 and verse 13 of the book of Revelation, and it fits with Deuteronomy 13. So this will be very easy to remember. It says, he performs great signs, he will announce them in advance, which will give, give more impact to those signs, so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives. Remember in Deuteronomy what he said. He would tell people, let's go after other gods. What is the first commandment? Remember, my friends, mm -hmm. Jesus Christ said to that young man, the rich young man who asked him, what should I do to inherit eternal life? He said, if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Why is this one called the lawless one, like you pointed out? Because he will use those signs to lead people astray from the only way that leads to eternal life. He's keeping the Ten Commandments, like Christ said to the young man. And the first commandment says, you shall not have other gods before me. And another one that is mentioned here is that he is going to make people to have a mark of the beast. 
And I think you should read that booklet, which uh, I have mentioned before, please. The, the Beast of Revelation. What is the mark of the beast? The mark of the beast is Sunday. Sunday was imposed by a Roman emperor upon all of the Christianity that the majority of the so-called Christians and of the first century. It comes down to obeying the laws of God exactly. and keeping the commandments so of God. So we're going to see yeah. now at least three commandments that he's going to lead astray people. The right. first one, let's go after other gods. The second one, let's make an image and worship that image. That's transgressing the second commandment. And the Sunday will be imposed obligatory for everybody right. that's transgressing the fourth commandment. Right. That is a big part of it. Dr. Scott. I was just going to say, if you go back even to the previous chapter, the end of the previous chapter, chapter 12 of Revelation, you see that some of the people that are going to be persecuted yes. for their beliefs at the end of the age are whom? They're the ones who are keeping the, the commandments sad. of that's God right. and that's the right. testimony yes. of Jesus Christ. Something very different than yes. this world religious leader is going to be teaching. Right. I want to get to a question uh, that came up on Facebook. Uh, is the Antichrist the final, or that false prophet talked about in Revelation? Is the Antichrist the false prophet? It's, it seems that it is. Right. When you look at Revelation 13 and you look at those characteristics and the signs and the wonders that are going to be preached, and then you flip back to 2 Thessalonians 2, uh, you see this man of sin that is also uh, that individual who is doing these same types of things. This is a person who is prophesying on behalf of a church. He's the head of a church. And he's actually pushing people toward this beast power that he's also going to ally with. We haven't really talked about that. Yes. But this religious figure is going to, the woman, Revelation 17 says, rides on this beast. Right. Yeah. It, 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 it is over the beast power in some ways, but it also is drawing attention to and supporting this beast. Right. So you've got this relationship with the beast itself, this political military government, and the false prophet. Right, which I think it's Revelation maybe 19 when it talks about uh, him being thrown into the lake of fire. Uh, those who basically pointed them to this beast and they took on the mark of the beast. Uh, this, what you just mentioned reminds me of Daniel 7 and verse 25. It says, uh, he speaks pompous words and against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, shall intend to change times and laws. That's what has happened. And the saints shall be given into his hand for a time, times and half a time. And so, yeah. So who are the saints? To continue with the, with the subject in, that, that we be, we've been uh, dealing with here now, this, let's read the definition of a saint in the Bible itself. It's chapter 14 of the book of Revelation and verse 12. Chapter 14, verse 12 of the book of Revelation says, Here is the patience, I means the perseverance of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. These right. are the ones that are not going to be deceived. Christ said the miracles will be so powerful that they will deceive, if possible, even, even the, elect. the elect. Right. So the key not to be deceived is to be right now, keeping the Ten Commandments like God That's right. described them, not what the deception is going to lead people into. So it takes repentance. It takes practicing it from now. If you are not practicing it from now, when those things happen, you will not have the strength to say, I'm going to obey the Ten Commandments. Right. You will be carried away by the powerful you know, wave of emotional uh, hysteria that is going to cause. So only those that are keeping them now and are being faithful, they will not be deceived 
and they will have the strength to resist what is coming. So right. it's a, an advice for our friends that are not yet keeping the Ten Commandments. That would be the key not to be deceived. And uh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to mention that we have a booklet some of you have read on uh, who or what is the Antichrist. And it really goes into a lot of what we've been talking about today. Not only who this individual is and who he is not, but also what is his doctrine, this antinomian, anti-law doctrine. Ultimately, this Antichrist is a false prophet. He is telling people to worship him, right. as we've read about. He's using signs and wonders to draw people to him. But and away from the laws of God. Away from the laws of God and even away from God, because mm -hmm. he is God, sure. as we read. Yes. Or as he professes to be God. Well, thank you so much, gentlemen. Uh, we appreciate everyone watching. We appreciate you being here. We appreciate you sharing and liking on Facebook and YouTube. And uh, again, your part in preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Um, we're wrapping it up now. We again, thank you and thank you all. Uh, we'll be here same time, same place next week.